0: Man, it's great to be back with you guys today. And today I'd like to give a special shout out to those of you who are watching from outside our broadcast site here in San Antonio, Texas. So welcome those of you who are logged in and worshiping with us from Houston, from the Dallas-Fort Worth area. There's even someone from Chandler, Arizona, some folks from Colorado and Pennsylvania. And also welcome to those of you who are watching from outside the United States. Man, welcome those of you who are part of the family from India and from Costa Rica, Germany, Canada, Trinidad, Mexico and more if I didn't name your country or city or state go ahead and post it in the comments below you're all a part of the tribe Uh, we may be in different cities different countries under different governments but we're all one family in the kingdom of God now my assignment for today is to teach from the Gospel of John chapters 18 and 19. And as we've been in this better recognized series in which we're trying to learn Jesus' personality, preferences, and perspective, John 18 and 19 are basically the events leading up to the crucifixion of Jesus, now, uh, I think Pastor Lee and Robbie and others have done a fabulous job leading us through this series, so give them some honor in the comments as well today. But as I read through the chapters John eighteen and nineteen over and over again, I noticed a theme that I had never noticed before when I've read John eighteen and nineteen in the past. It seemed that a lot of the characters in those chapters were afraid, except for one, and we'll get to him here in just a minute. But let's look at the characters from John 18 and 19. First, there's Peter. Now, Peter and the disciples were scattered and afraid, and the formerly bold Peter is now standing by a fire, trying to warm himself, and look at what happened When people ask him about Jesus in John, we're going to go to chapter 18. Look at verse 25. They asked him again, you're not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it, saying, no, I'm not. But one of the household slaves of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, that guy's got to be chapped, isn't he? He asked, "Uh, didn't I see you out there in the olive grove with Jesus? Again, Peter denied it. And immediately a rooster crowed. So Peter denied Jesus because he was afraid. And then there's the Jewish leaders who were also afraid. They were given privilege and power by the Roman Empire, Uh, they were expected to stay in line in order to maintain that privilege, and they were afraid of a revolutionary young leader from Galilee who threatened their power structures and their privilege. And the thing they really feared about Jesus was that he could go toe-to-toe with them on theological arguments. He didn't roll over like most of the common folk of that day. Well, then the next character is Pilate. Now, Pilate worked for Caesar, who created a kingdom of fear in which employees of the emperor who didn't perform knew that they could literally be taken out, many times losing their lives. And Pilate had trouble with the Jewish leaders because they publicly questioned Pilate's allegiance to Caesar and they pressured him to execute an innocent man in Jesus. And look at Pilate's response in John chapter 19. We'll go to verse eight. When Pilate heard this, he was even more, what? Afraid. He was afraid. Now, then there's Joseph of Arimathea. He's described in John chapter 19, look at verse 38. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he, what? Feared the Jewish leaders. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus At night. Now, why did Nicodemus visit Jesus at night? Because he was afraid of the Jewish leaders. Now, all these people were affected by the Roman kingdom of fear and the Jewish kingdom of fear. And within those two kingdoms of fear, there were smaller factions of fear that were also created. But the one guy in John 18 and 19 who wasn't operating by fear was the guy who was on his way to die. And that's Jesus. Oh, he knew he was going to be crucified. He actually called his own shot. Jesus predicted his own death and resurrection on multiple occasions. So the main question for us today is this. How did Jesus have this courage among the kingdoms of fear? And I believe the answer is in Jesus' response to Pilate in John chapter 18. Look with me at verse 36, Jesus answered, look at this, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But look at this next sentence, but my kingdom is not of this world. Pastor Lee talked about this in a previous service. We'll link to it below. It was a fabulous service, and you should go back and watch it. But this passage gives us this one transforming idea for you and I today, and it's this. For courage among the kingdoms of fear, keep God's kingdom clear. Did you catch that? For courage among the kingdoms of fear, keep God's kingdom clear. Clear In the comments below, just post, I'm keeping God's kingdom clear. Now, the reason that Jesus could navigate the kingdoms of fear with such courage is that he had a clear focus on the kingdom of God. And this clear kingdom focus is what helps our fears, too. Do you feel any fear these days? Perhaps you fear the virus. Perhaps you fear losing your job or money in a down economy. Maybe you fear protesters or rioters. The kingdom of fear is alive and well today. They use fear to stir up their base, to get votes, to gain power or to keep their power. Some are afraid of the racists. Others are afraid of being called a racist. See, see if you see this theme, when I show you a couple of popular books these days. Now the first one is from a politically left perspective. And the title of this book is Fear, Trump in the White House by Bob Woodard. Bob Woodard is an investigative journalist for the Washington Post. Now the next book title I'm gonna show you is from a politically right perspective. And it's titled Bullies. How the Left's Culture of Fear and Intimidation Silences America. That's by author Ben Shapiro, a younger generation political commentator. So do you see the theme in these book titles? It's the theme of fear. Because you and I live among kingdoms of fear. So which kingdom or political party is God for? Is God a Democrat or is God a Republican? Well, the answer may be in the book of Joshua when Israel is at war and Joshua comes up on a guy that he didn't recognize and we're going to see it in Joshua chapter five. Look with me at verse 13. It says, while Joshua was there near Jericho, he looked up and he saw in front of him a man standing holding his drawn sword. So look at what it says. It says, Joshua stepped up on him and said, whose side are you on, ours or our enemies? And look at the answer. Neither. Neither. I'm commander of God's army and I've just arrived. And look at how this affected Joshua. Joshua fell face to the ground. So in answer to the question, which side is God on? God's on neither side. So this happened to Joshua. Now you got to remember, Joshua was the leader of the Jewish people who are in the Bible considered God's chosen people, but God still won't join their side because God doesn't take sides. God takes over. God's kingdom is neither Democrat or Republican. God's kingdom is vastly superior to either of our little political parties. Now, I used to think that God's on the side of whichever political candidate that I support. That was naive of me to think. So when it comes to politics and your faith, just take a deep breath and look at the issues as best you can and then vote your conscience. But understand that if you really are A follower of Jesus Christ, your ultimate allegiance to the kingdom of God is by far more important than your political affiliation. And if your political affiliation is your deepest conviction and commitment, then your political affiliation is your religion. So, for courage among the kingdoms of fear, keep God's kingdom clear. The political kingdoms of this world will rise and they will fall. This is illustrated by author and syndicated columnist Cal Thomas, who wrote a book. It's entitled America's Expiration Date: The Fall of Empires and Superpowers, and the Future of the United States. The book basically goes back and examines eight of the greatest empires in the world in the history of our world and examines how they tended to spiral into decline after about 250 years in power. By that metric, America could begin a theoretical decline by about 2026, if you consider that America was founded on July 4th, 1776. Now, I don't want that to happen. You know, in the US, we tend to think that there are differences between our country and that of other superpowers in the past. That's what we think. But superpowers like the Roman Empire thought they were invincible too. They controlled over one quarter of the world's population, but they faded away. The Mongols like Genghis Khan controlled a quarter of the earth's landmass, but their power faded away. The great British Empire which was the envy of the entire world people used to say the sun never sets on the British Empire but their world dominance faded so does the possibility of the United States fading or falling does that scare you now look I don't mean to bum you out so let's lighten the mood for just a minute and sometimes for me The best way to deal with fears is to lighten the mood with some really good dad joke memes, okay? Uh, So let's look at some memes about fear. And here's the first one. Franklin D. Roosevelt once said, there's nothing to fear but fear itself and Chuck Norris. That's a truth, brothers and sisters. Look at this next one. Fear of spiders is called arachnophobia. Fear of tight spaces is called claustrophobia. Fear of Chuck Norris is called logic. (laughs) That's the truth, too, isn't it? Now, there used to be a street named after Chuck Norris, but it was changed because nobody crosses Chuck Norris and lives. That's one of my favorite ones. So, you know, I used to wonder why they made all the jokes about Chuck Norris and no jokes about Bruce Lee. And then I saw this last meme. Why are there more Chuck Norris jokes than Bruce Lee? Because Bruce Lee is no joke. (laughs) So you can vote on your favorite dad meme in the comments below. That was fun for me. I hope it was fun for you too. But now we kind of have to get back on topic to something a little bit more serious. See, there's something behind the curtain of fear of the kingdoms of this world. Something, someone who is evil. Someone who wants to divide us. And Jesus describes it in Luke chapter 11. Look with me at verse 17. Jesus says, any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined and a house divided against itself will fall. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. He says, the, the finger of God. So there's this custom among some Jewish people. Uh, they, would put up, they would hold up their little finger as they prayed. And it signified the idea that there's more than enough power in God's little finger in his pinky to answer any prayer. And this dates all the way back to the Exodus when God brought the plague of the gnats on the oppressive Egyptians. And Pharaoh's magicians said, yep, that must be the finger of God. In other words, we can't jack with God. We can't mess with that. And so when demons of division come, you know what Jesus does? Jesus just gives them the finger, right? So when Jesus gives them the finger, it's the little finger of God that has more than enough power to cast them out. And it doesn't take hardly any power for God to cast out demons of division. So for courage among the kingdoms of fear, keep God's kingdom clear in the spiritual realm. Be aware of it. God's kingdom makes the kingdom's of fear move back and fall down. And so when you have problems with the intimidation and fears of this life, you just give them the finger in Jesus' name. That is the little finger. And so post in the comments below, I'm just giving them the finger, right? And we know what that means, right? It's not the other finger. But let's look at John chapter 18, verse four, to see how the kingdoms of fear have to fall back and fall down. Uh, I'm gonna be in John 18, verse four. Jesus fully recognized all that was going to happen to him. This is when the soldiers are coming up to arrest him. So he stepped forward to meet them. Jesus doesn't cower from the kingdoms of fear, even these hardened soldiers that were coming to arrest him. And look at what Jesus says. Who are you looking for? He asked. Jesus, the Nazarene, they replied. And look at Jesus' response. I am he, Jesus said. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. And as Jesus said, I am he, look what happened. They all droop out and fell to the ground. Remember how Joshua fell to the ground when encountering the kingdom of God? It happens again in the Garden of Gethsemane. The soldiers fell to the ground when Jesus said just two little words, I am. These are battle-hardened MMA fighter types. So what is it about a meek Jewish carpenter's words, I am, that makes them step back and fall to the ground? I had an encounter that reminded me of this stepping back some Years ago, I was in Chihuahua, Mexico, and I was having a little problem with the police there. I had a small fender bender with another car in a parking lot and the Mexican police arrived. When they showed up, um, they wanted a bribe. And so I got a little bit angry and I told my interpreter, I said, you tell them that the money we have is God's money and it's for the kingdom of God and the Tarahumara Indian children, and if you want to take God's money, God will judge you. And my interpreter said, I don't want to say that, Doug. And I said, you say it right now. And when those Mexican police heard those words, they literally and physically stepped back. Now, do I look like an intimidating person to you? Don't answer that. You're not funny. (laughs) Well, we ended up not having to pay a bribe that night. But we did have to pay for the fender of the other driver, which was $500. And somehow I was able to scrounge up $500, an extra $500 to give to the other driver. Now remember that number, $500. So we went way out into the mountains and helped the Tata Indian children And oddly enough, the Chihuahua newspaper showed up way out there in the mountains. The newspaper showed up and they did a story which gave glory to God and raised awareness for the needs of those mountain children. And when we got all the way back to San Antonio, I told my bookkeeper uh, about the extra $500 expense. Her face went pale and she said, Doug, you'll never believe this. But before you left for your trip, I had a spirit prompting while I was at the bank and the prompting was to get you a little bit of extra money at the bank. And then she pulled out a little post-it note with a list of some of my expenses like food and lodging and other things. And she pointed to a number at the bottom. And guess how much that number was? Five hundred dollars. So for courage among the kingdoms of fear, keep God's kingdom clear. Let's go back to the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus said to these battle-hardened soldiers, I am. It's not just Jesus saying, I'm the guy you're looking for. It's a reference back to the Exodus when Moses asked God, who should I tell Pharaoh that you are? And God said, you just tell Pharaoh, I am. In other words, uh, he's just saying, I am that I am. I am who I will be. Now, look, in another part of John, Jesus said, before Abraham existed, I am. Jesus is saying, I am God. There's no beginning or end to God. He just says, I am And I know this is a problem for a lot of people in our culture. He's saying something way beyond what other religious leaders say. Other religious leaders like to say, well, my way is kind of the way to live. But Jesus says, I am the way. Jesus says, I'm not showing you how to find God. I am God. And if Jesus is who he says that he is, It's something completely different than just another religion to choose from from among the cafeteria of ideas. And so some of you have perhaps heard the late C.S. Lewis who said, Jesus is either liar, a lunatic, or the Lord who he says he is. Now, many today say, I like the teachings of Jesus, but I don't think he's anything more than just a good teacher. And by saying that, You're actually revealing that you've never really read the teachings of Jesus. And I'm not trying to be rude to you. If you actually read his teachings, you'll know that his claim to being God, those claims are all throughout the Gospels. And they're certainly in John 18 and 19 that we're studying today. You don't get to call him just a great teacher. Either he's God or he's a complete crazy person. And many of you happen to know that a large portion of our world have had their entire civilizations, cultures, and histories shaped by the influence of Jesus. So is Jesus really a crazy person? Look, let me just go through a cursory list of things that were impacted by Jesus. Hospitals were founded and named by Christians, like here in our own city, Methodists, Christus Santa Rosa, and on and on I could go about the names of hospitals all over our country. The abolition of slavery happened in England because the influence of Jesus on a guy named William Wilberforce. Prejudice Jim Crow laws were dismantled by Martin Luther King Jr., whose vision Message and how he carried it out was thoroughly influenced by Jesus Christ. Cities, the creation and naming of cities all over the world was influenced by Christian names and ideas. Let me just give you a few examples. There's Philadelphia, which is known in the Bible as the city of brotherly love. There's Sao Paulo, Brazil, uh, named after St. Paul. There's Corpus Christi, Texas, named after the body of Christ. There's San Francisco, named after St. Francis of Assisi, who had such a connection with the creation and animals that one time St. Francis quieted a flock of noisy birds that were interrupting a religious ceremony. Then there's San Diego, named after Diego, who was known for risking his life to teach others about Christ. And he even prayed for the sick and saw some healing miracles. And most importantly, I could go on and on about the names of cities, but most importantly is San Antonio, right? Our great city, named after St. Anthony or Antonio, a city created on Christian mission, the Mission San Antonio de Valero, later called the Alamo. So many of us who are a part of City Tribe Church here in San Antonio, at least, are enjoying the benefits of San Antonio today, like the great tacos, barbecue, the Spurs, well, maybe not so much the Spurs right now, uh, barbacoa and Big Red and the Riverwalk, because of the influence of Jesus Christ. We're broadcasting from the Cameo Theater in a neighborhood downtown called St. Paul Square because of the influence of Jesus Christ. Now look, do you think that someone who's had that kind of historical impact on so many countries, cities, and civilizations could be a crazy person? Liars and crazy people don't have a lasting impact like that. Jesus was, I believe Jesus was and is the Lord who he claimed to be. And another thing you'll learn about Jesus is that he always tells the truth because of this next thought. God's kingdom is a kingdom of truth. I want you to look at Jesus' interaction with Pilate in John chapter 18. Take a look at verse 37. Pilate said, so you're a king. Jesus responded, you say I'm a king. Actually, I was born and came into the world to testify to the what? The truth. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is what? True. True. And in the next verse, you'll see Pilate's profound question. What is truth, Pilate asked. What is truth? Isn't that the question that a lot of us have today? Look, the different ideologies and political movements have compelling statistics and arguments. They both have fact checkers. I ran across an article in Investor's Business Daily, And it was titled, Who is Fact-Checking the Fact-Checkers? And here's what the article says. The problem is that fact-checkers themselves can be unreliable sources for what's true or not. Fact-checkers make their own mistakes. They sometimes change ratings based on new information. Or they make determinations based on arbitrary standards that can change from one review to the next. So one political team has their fact checkers, another political team has fact checkers to check the facts of the fact checkers. And this leaves some of us saying, who do I believe? Or in other words, what is truth? See, truth is not a political ideology, but truth is a person. Jesus, Jesus is the way. He is the truth and the life. So when the temporary kingdoms of this world fade into the sands of time, Jesus remains. Now, what I'm going to do now is uh, we're going to put a couple of pictures of a couple of people on the screen. And I want you to see if you know their names. And if you know their names immediately, just post it in the comments really quickly. If you're like me, you don't recognize them. They are George M. Cohen, and Mary Pickford, who were world-famous celebrities a hundred years ago. They were like the Taylor Swifts of the early 1900s. Just a few years ago, hip-hop artist Kanye West collaborated on a song with Beatles founder Paul McCartney. After Kanye released the song, a young person tweeted, and this is a real tweet, here's what he said, I don't know who Paul McCartney is, But Kanye is going to give this man a career with this next song, this new song. (laughs) That's a real tweet. This kid didn't know about Paul McCartney. That's poor parenting. Even though Paul McCartney is one of the most famous people of the last 50 years, it illustrates that the sands of time bury everyone. Famous people fade away. But look. Jesus Christ continues to be the most well-known and admired person in all of history because Jesus is who he said he was. He is God and he is the truth. And since Jesus is the truth and he knows the truth, even among the kingdoms of fear, he had courage in the face of death. He had courage in the face of death. John 19 16 tells us about this. Look at what it says. Then Pilate turned Jesus over, them to, over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus away, carrying the cross by Himself. He went to the place called Place of the Skull, in Hebrew, Golgotha. There they nailed Him to the cross. Jesus historically, factually, and literally died by Roman crucifixion. And you got to understand crucifixion. Roman crucifixion was done publicly. It was designed to disgrace you and your family, to strip you of your dignity. Low lives would come by and mock you and make fun of you as you were hanging nailed to a cross. People who were crucified would lose control of their bodily functions and it created a mess and sometimes they would have private parts nailed to the crosses on which they were being hung. Body parts would fall off people like a hand or a foot would fall off and feral dogs would chew on them like a rawhide. Family members would be watching, screaming in anguish as they watched their relative dying and all of this Was done to God. Now, look, I don't like talking about crucifixion because it's gross and offensive to some people, but I must talk about it. The cross is our only hope to enter and see and experience this kingdom of God that we're talking about. Now, Dr. C. Truman Davis is a nationally respected ophthalmologist, a former vice president of the American Association of Ophthalmology, and Dr. Davis describes what happened after Jesus had already died from the crucifixion. He says, to make doubly sure of death, the legionnaire, or the Roman soldier, drove his lance or his spear through the fifth inner space between the ribs, upward through the pericardium into the heart. John 1934 reports, and immediately there came out blood and water. That is, there was an escape of water, fluid from the sac surrounding the heart, giving evidence that our Lord died, not the usual crucifixion, death by suffocation, but by a broken heart due to shock and constriction of the heart by fluid In the pericardium, the great I am, whose name has the power to make people step back and fall down, died of a broken heart. His heart was broken for you and for me. And some of you may be thinking, yeah, you know, that that's all well and good. That sounds nice. But what's the connection between Jesus' crucifixion and my life over 2000 years later? Well, I believe the answer to your question is in 1 John 4.10. Look at that verse. It says, this is real love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to, here's the answer, take away our sins. Jesus had to die to take away my sin and yours. He spiritually, physically, and emotionally took my sins and yours upon Himself so that we would have the opportunity to be forgiven by God and experience the kingdom of God and enter it. Remember what Jesus said in John 18, 36. Let's remind ourselves. My kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders, but my kingdom is not of this world. So when we talk about the kingdom, It's not just like pie in the sky out there. It's not just heaven up in the clouds, but the kingdom of God is something we're trying to bring on earth as it is in heaven by serving the poor, the broken, the oppressed, and the hurting. It's not either the kingdom of God on earth or in heaven. It's got to be both. It's the kingdom of God on earth and heaven. In heaven, It is true that some people are so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. But it's also true that some people are so earthly minded that they're no heavenly good. What we want to be is so heavenly minded that we're more earthly good. Now, look, if all you have is a kingdom that's of this world, man, I feel sorry for you. If you want to have true courage among the kingdoms of fear that exist today, you've got to fix your gaze, your focus, your eyes on the kingdom of God. For the courage among the kingdoms of fear, keep God's kingdom clear. Remember that it's like the author of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. This really just sums up what I'm trying to get across today. He says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith for the joy set before him. He endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That verse tells us how Jesus endured the excruciating crucifixion. He endured it because his gaze, his focus, his eyes were on the kingdom and it was clear. He was focused on the what this verse says is the joy set before him. He knew that when it was all over, he would have a reunion with his father and he would end up sitting down at the right hand of his father. And when you and I, when we keep God's kingdom clear, We have courage in the face of death. Do you fear dying? Do you fear dying of a disease or social unrest? Well, if you'll keep God's kingdom clear, you can even have courage in the face of death, knowing that we'll have wonderful reunions with Jesus and the Father in the afterlife. And not only that, we'll have glorious and wonderful reunions with our own family members who have gone ahead of us to heaven. Can you imagine the reunion that you'll have with relatives that have gone on to heaven when you first see them, when you first get to heaven? Just to give you a feel for or a small taste of those reunions, I thought I'd show you a few people who got to see family members Sep- that they've been separated from due to military service or other circumstances. So go ahead and take a look at these reunions.
1: Cheese. Mm-hmm. I'm videotaping. Cheese. My uncle JJ. Cheese.
0: Jordan's brother, Staff Sergeant James Johnson. (laughs)
1: T- I'm tired of, of belt with you myself, so come on in here. We're going to get the real thing here for you. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. No. you're going to lose
0: it. Awesome. Three years since Cliff's Chris Silva has seen his mother, the three-year hiatus into today. His mother, Kareen, is here in Miami for the games this weekend. What a wonderful holiday surprise for Chris. After the late afternoon walkthrough today, she appeared to Chris's delight. The emotion simply took him over. A native of Gabon, a nation in Africa, Chris Silva left his home country in 2012, just days before his 16th birthday, to come to the United States with a dream of being in this place, playing in the NBA. He has seen his parents and siblings only once since then that's when he returned to gabon for two weeks to renew his visa as a sophomore at the university of south carolina special thanks to nba commissioner adam silver Mr. He's from Columbia. <laughs> no matter the chaos in our current kingdoms of fear. One of the things that gives me hope is that I know I'm going to go to a place where I see my mamaw and my papa again. I'm going to see my father-in-law, my friend Tim, who transitioned a couple of years ago. I'm even going to see our old friend Dennis Maples again. And this time he'll be paying for my meal. So can you imagine when you get to see your abuela, your grandmother, your grandfather? Can you imagine when you're gonna get to see your daughter, your son who passed away way too soon? Can you imagine when you see your spouse or your best friend that went to heaven before you for courage among the kingdoms of fear? Keep God's kingdom clear. David writes about it in Psalm 23, 4. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will, what? Fear no evil for you are with me and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. See, man, you don't want to miss out on those glorious reunions. Something in your heart resonates that what I'm telling you today is true. Receive a love relationship with Jesus Christ today if you've never done that. It's really simple to do. Just believe that He died on the cross for your sin and rose again to give you a new life in which you can make an impact on this world and bring heaven to earth. So if you'd like to begin this love relationship with Jesus right now, you can make a choice and I'll pray with you right now. So let's bow for prayer. Um, And it doesn't matter if you're listening to this message after it was originally aired or if you're listening to it live, if you would like a new love relationship with God, God by His Spirit perhaps had you tune in to this broadcast today for this one prayer. And it's not the words that you say, but it's what you mean in your heart that makes it effective, But just say something like this in your own heart between you and God. You can think it. You can say it out loud if you want to. But just pray something like this. Look, God, I know I've sinned. But right now, the best I understand it, I choose to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. And He rose again from the dead to give me new life God welcome into my life as we continue in prayer the next part of this prayer is for those of us that have already believed and have known God but we want to eradicate the kingdoms of fear in our heart. And we just are praying things like this. You know, Jesus, we ask you to bring to mind memories from our past that brought fear into our hearts. Dear Heavenly Father, I no longer want unhealthy fears to control me. I renounce the spirit of fear. I choose courage among the kingdoms of fear. I choose to keep your kingdom clear in these eyes. I choose to live by faith, not by fear. In Jesus' name and by his blood, I cancel Satan's authority over me from the kingdom of fear. In Jesus' name, I command fear to leave me now with all its works and effects. Holy Spirit, I invite you to fill me and heal me from the deepest roots of fear. And I pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus, amen. Now open your eyes as I make these scripture-based declarations over us all. God has not given us a spirit of fear. We have power, love, and And discipline. We are no longer victims, but conquerors. We're filled with faith, not fear. We're no longer slaves to fear.
1: You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song Of deliverance from my enemies Till all my fears are gone You unravel me with a melody You surround me with a song
0: service has given you some encouragement to walk with courage in your everyday life. If you believed in Christ and not yet been baptized, your first step of courage is to the step of baptism, to proclaim your belief in Christ by being baptized. Now, during COVID, we're encouraging you to video your baptisms, and we're going to show them in service next Sunday. So you have to send us your baptism video by tomorrow for us to be able to, you know, show it next Sunday. For more information on how to create your baptism video, go right now to citytribe.church baptism. Every baptism and good thing that happens at City Tribe is due in part to your financial generosity. Uh, We've embraced these Bible truths, uh, ways of bringing what the Bible calls a first priority or or in the Bible it says first fruit, Um, 10%, which is called in the Bible tithe, to the local church, which is the storehouse. Now, if you're a spiritual investigator, don't believe in these things, don't buy into all this. We totally understand. This service is our gift to you. We totally understand if you don't contribute financially. But those of us that are regulars here, that have believed and given our hearts and life to the lordship of Jesus Christ, we're not just trying to get a ticket to heaven, but we're submitted to him. We want to invest in the stuff that's important to him. And let me tell you one of the things that happened recently that's important to him. One of the families that together we helped as a faith community recently, they had four children and the mom is a cancer survivor and is now pregnant with their fifth child. Passed medical bills, got them behind on rent and they were about to be evicted from their place. Well together, we paid for their rent so this great mom, the great dad, All the kids still have a place to live. So let's keep that generosity momentum going. You can send in your offerings by mail to PO Box 830745, San Antonio, Texas 78283. You can also do so by text. You just text the word tribe space, the dollar amount to 74483, or you can donate online at citytribe.church slash tithe. As always, it helps us if you'll share, subscribe, like this video, and sow into this ministry. So if you're comfortable, uh, as we wrap up today, hold out your hands in a position to receive as I speak what we call the benediction over us. So dear brothers and sisters, walk from here, with the courage of a lion and the innocence of a lamb, knowing that our king is more than capable of getting us through any circumstances when we keep our eyes focused on him. Remember that in his little pinky, in just the end of his little pinky, he has more power than you ever need to give you the courage that you need. As you encounter the intimidation and fear of the little kingdoms of fear, May you keep God's kingdom clear in your eyes. I want to tell you something today. You have got courage. So I look forward to seeing you next time. Have a great week.